0: Writing's largely assembling a puzzle before the eyes of the reader. Yeah. And the challenge challenge when you're writing it is that, uh, you know, you're also finding the pieces. Yeah, that's it. And, And you're making them fit. And you can't force the pieces to fit together because the reader will pick up on that immediately and it'll ruin the puzzle for it.
1: sophisticated creatives welcome to JCV art studio from the dressing room if you're new to the podcast my name is joanna and i'm the author of dealer's child and the unraveling today i'm popping across the border actually actually today i met a couple from montana when I was out and about, it's Thanksgiving weekend today and we had, my husband and I had a nice discussion with this couple from Montana. So, but today I am chatting with science fiction, fantasy, and mystery author, Elgin Williams. Elgin was born and raised in Springfield, Ohio. He grew up on a farm in southern, southeastern Clark County near the town of south charleston he's a graduate of purdue university the university of texas and the defense language institute and elgin has been on the podcast before and i'm glad he's back because today we are talking about book three and the superman trilogy superheroes Elgin, elgin welcome back how's it going
0: no, it's always good to reconnect with you Joanna i uh, oh, i i wondered if you got everything unpacked from your move oh,
1: god <laughs> it's interesting you should say that because um the spouse has said to me i swear i i didn't pack up so many like we're going into winter okay so yeah. we did the move the end of august, beginning middle middle of august so he He's looking around. He's like, I swear I had more clothes. (laughs) So we're kind of like, okay, we can make it through these next few months. It's
0: like like a big scavenger hunt. God,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So Elgon, our listeners who haven't heard our first interview in May, what age group are your books suited for and um, can you tell our listeners the names of the two previous books in this trilogy?
0: Now, my books are intended for all ages, really. Um, but the Superman trilogy in particular is suited for middle grade and above. However, there are uh, concepts and plot elements that adults will relate to. Yeah. So uh, they're kind of like Disney movies and that there's something for everybody. and. Uh, the books in the trilogy are Becoming Superman, Homer Underby, and now Superheroes, which uh, releases on October 20th.
1: Yeah. Good. Good. Now, I've, I don't know if people will got this. I, do, I have to, and I want to double check with myself. I love the name Superman Trilogy. And it's in book one, right? um, Will, he has that accident on the teeter-totter. Right. right? And he bites the tip of his tongue and he speaks with a lisp. And I thought it was so cool. So he can't say the word Superman. So he says Superman, right? I think that's so cool. Yeah, okay. We haven't had a chance to talk about book two. And you mentioned the program in the beginning of chapter one in book three. Can you explain what is the program?
0: Yeah, the program is a covert organization with worldwide reach and mission. Their stated purpose is to protect all of humanity from its own stupidity, but in practice, they meddle in all sorts of social, economic, and political things. Uh, Much of what they do is questionable. They are responsible for the beginning and ending of wars, for example. And a lot of other things, um, you know, like assassination plots and, um, you know, murders and mysterious disappearances. And they've been around for nearly as long as there have been humans. In America, they largely hide behind our intelligence, industrial and military complexes. They execute their missions uh, through operatives that they recruit and train, who are identified at an early age. And um, they do that to be more readily molded and persuaded into their service. And those people are then planted into organizations where they can influence human affairs. Mm-hmm. The program uh, seeks those with paranormal and, and uh, supernatural aptitude and in this story they're particularly interested in Sandra yeah. and through her associations Will also lands on the radar.
1: Okay okay now with that teaser gosh can you give us a brief summary of what book three is about?
0: Sure. Super picks up uh, pretty much where book two left off. Will is, uh, has just returned from An accidental jaunt into the future, which is the time travel element in the story. And um, in book two, Will falls through a trans dimensional portal that's concealed in a uh, haunted house where Will and Sandra have been exploring. And uh, they've been enlisted to aid a ghost in revealing the culprits who murder her. Uh, While there, men in a uh, Mysterious black van show up, and this black van's been following the kids around throughout, you know, book one. And uh, so the men descend upon the house, and Sandra is captured, but Will escapes, and he does so by engaging his supernatural abilities. Uh, he transforms into a wolf as he runs up the stairs. Neat. And he leads the men on a chase through through the house where he falls through a portal um, and is transported into the future to a subtropical island off the coast of uh, Antarctica. So, yeah, the weather in the future is a lot different. (laughs) Um, There, Will meets Brett Woods, who shares many of Will's abilities. And while in the future, Will learns how to better control his abilities so that when he returns home, he can help Sandra escape from her captors. In Superheroes, Will enlists the aid of a much younger version of Brent, who is an operative for the program. Having been well-trained by the future Brent, Will readily subdues the captors, and makes a deal with Brent to liberate Sandra and her family. Mm -hmm. Throughout the book, uh, Brent assists Will and Sandra and facilitates their training. However, not everything is rosy. In the course of their explorations of their developing superpowers and future investigations on behalf of their befriended ghost, Will and Sandra cause themselves some huge problems. Mm -hmm. While trying to help a girl who claimed to be trapped inside of a simulated world, they bring evil back with them, and it impacts their families.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Wow, okay. So, with this book, um, I felt some nostalgia, and um, I couldn't help but feel that Will and Sandra they are maturing, they're getting older, um, like they communicate and, and they don't speak. It's like they read their, each other's minds. Is, is that, yeah.
0: Yeah, but they're polite about it. Yeah. <laughs> Brent, Brent teaches them how to protect their secrets. Okay. Uh, whenever you probe the mind of someone with similar abilities, you can inadvertently grant them access to your mind as well. Oh, wow, but yeah, the ability to communicate telepathically comes in handy for him.
1: Okay, okay. So, is there before we get more into the, your book, is there any scene that you've taken from your own childhood in writing this installment of Will and Sandra's story, like anything that you used for inspiration?
0: Well, it's it's set in the Midwest. And it's a fictionalized version of a real place I've visited, uh, Normal, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a city named Normal in Illinois. (laughs) Uh, So, and when I first visited that city, I said, what a great name for a a city for like some kids that are abnormal, you know, supernatural. So that's where the idea came from. Yeah. I'm originally from Ohio okay. and you know Ohio's in a little farther east than Illinois but it's still in the Midwest so there's a lot of similarities and it's, especially with the culture of small towns and farming communities so you know normal's a lot like where I grew up yeah. at least it is the normal that's in my book yeah. And Will's grandfather is a lot like my dad and other farmers that I knew as as, as a kid. Okay. Also, the kids uh, love baseball, which becomes a subplot throughout the series. Yeah. I suppose everything about Will, um, you know, and being on the little league team is borrowed from my own experiences because I played little league baseball for a while as well. Okay. I wasn't nearly as good as Will is at it. But-
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah
0: but uh, you know we we used to do things like going for ice cream after games for example and that that was that was a thing yeah and there's there's a soft serve ice cream place in my hometown called the polar bar yeah and a couple of years ago my uh my publicist um uh, who you know christine gabriel yeah and i visited south charleston and uh, that The polar bar is still in business, you know, 60 years later. Cool. So,
1: It's neat. I find that neat when you can bring in, because I know how much I enjoy Victoria, when you can bring in elements from a place you love or from your history, from your childhood into a story.
0: Yeah. Going back to South Charleston was was like, you know, going through a time time warp or something, because, I mean, it looks almost exactly like it did back then. I mean, some of the names of the places have changed and, yeah. you know, things have you know, buildings that used to house this, don't house that anymore, yeah. but everything, everything looks the same.
1: Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you describe, and like I said, I'm feeling a bit nostalgic knowing this is the, the third book in the, in the trilogy. Do you have a favorite scene from this book? And, and can you describe it a bit as to why it's your favorite scene? Like, like, yeah.
0: Well, one, one thing Brent does, you know, he he trains the kids in the future, you know, the older version of Brent. Yeah. Uh, he's training both of them. He did some, some of Will's training beforehand, but now he's training Sandra, yeah. you know, primarily. And uh, before they, they leave to come back to their own time, Brent takes the kids to another dimension and uh, where he takes them um, is a place where some of the same characters that we meet in my book, Fried Windows, exist. So um, that kind of connects the storylines and the the books together. But Mm -hmm. Brent does that so that the kids will know that, things like that exist. And also it's to rejoin them with their own memories, because when they were kids, they were also there too. It's just, they've forgotten about
1: it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm curious to know, so I'm starting book book three in my series. I've got a working title. I'm calling it right now The Lily Affair. We know things are going to change, okay, with book titles, <laughs> right? Um, mine, yeah.
0: mine, mine usually don't, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, there's a working title and then there's a final title. I yeah. Think.
1: Okay. So I found with this one, the second storyline literally just came together. Like, snap, snap, This story, second storyline came together. And each book I've written it's been different. Okay. Um, so when you're plotting book three, um, and given this is a trilogy, like, did you have a a rough plan formed when you originally wrote book one becoming Superman, or did you find anything different when you were approaching book three?
0: I, you know, the Superman trilogy is kind of a, of a different animal for me um usually you know i i'm really bad at writing endings so i start writing series yeah because of that but uh, with superman it was a one-off book i just wanted to write a story about kids being kids you know and, yeah. and getting dragged into you know a a kind of a challenging situation and and using their own their own smarts and, you know, their, their friendship to, you know, work through problems together and, and resolve that situation. Yeah. And, um, uh, I never intended it to be more than one book. And then about a month before its release, I was on a conference call with, uh, Jessica Reno, my, my editor. Yeah. And she suggested there was a lot of room for other books if I wanted to further explore the characters. Yeah. And over the course of an hour, uh, we came up with a basic framework for the rest of the series. Cool. And um, it got complicated as I fleshed out the details in writing because that's just the way it yeah. happens. But yeah. um, I did have the basic idea of where we were headed. And I usually don't write that way. I usually start with dialogue and yeah. The characters tell me their relationships and and the conflicts and everything else uh, in the course of their dialogue. And then I go back in and I feather in the the narrative to, you know, support the dialogue, move the characters around from place to place. Yeah. And uh, then after I've written the draft, I'll go back and I'll put an outline to everything so I can organize it. Yeah. Make sure the flow's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Superman trilogy is the first book that I ever tried to write that's actually done in a different way.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, I write quite like you do, where you say you're starting with dialogue and just how things start to reveal themselves. Yeah. So you have Esther. Esther. And she's a witch with strong, strong powers. There's time travel. There's ghosts. And I'm just wondering, how do you keep track of the plot in this novel?
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I You know, really, I have several books and series living inside of me all the time. Yeah. So they've been familiar friends of mine for years.
1: I get and that. Yeah.
0: So uh, it has all become sort of a, an alternate reality for me to explore, yeah. and and in a way, it's at times when I'm writing, for example, it's more of a reality than my reality. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't, you know, people who don't write don't understand that, but <laughs> I think you do.
1: I do. Yeah, yeah.
0: The um, yeah the trilogy. The Superman trilogy is a relatively newer addition to, you know, the universe that I've concocted, but, uh, the biggest thing with this alternate universe is the magic is, is real there. Yeah. And it may actually be the only thing that's real there. Okay. And there's all kinds of, uh, you know, there's witches, wolf cats, secret societies, covert groups, time travel, transdimensional worlds. Um, and then it's all interconnected throughout my books. Yeah. You know, Brent Woods is a is a main character. is the main character in Fried Windows. Yeah. And uh, in that series, Will and Sandra appear as adults, and they assist Brent in in you know some of his missions.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you know, as you were saying, there's time travel, there's ghosts, there's secret, you know, like the program, there's a secret society. I'm thinking this is all great stuff, right? This is great, yeah. So, and there are serious events happening in this novel. Um, Like, I'm thinking of the kidnapping of Essie, and then what happens? And, like, I don't want to give it away. And do you find it challenging writing about i'm thinking about the kidnapping of essie about these the serious events for a middle grade reader's point of view
0: yeah you don't want to get too far out of your skis when you're dealing with uh with children because they're not going to understand some things but uh by the same token i think kids are a lot more mature these days than than we may think they are
1: yeah
0: um they've been through a lot and they they've seen a lot of things and they're exposed to a lot of different things on on tv and and you know movies and in the books that they they read yeah. so i mean with will and sandra they're they're not like average eight-year-olds are very precocious of course but yeah um, they're also very careful and they're mindful to the dangers around them yeah. but they're also they're risk takers you know, and yeah. you know they have a lot of faith in themselves and in each other yeah and i don't think those are bad qualities for kids to have as long as they're there's a measured amount of you know, being aware of the dangers and being careful about it. And you know, in book one of the series, they're in a really serious situation with uh, some bad guys with guns.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and they come up with a solution and they work it out. Yeah. And and it works. So. Yeah. And then they're immediately warned by the police and all the adults in their life that they're they should never do anything like that again. They got lucky. And yeah. really, you know, they did, but they actually did have a plan and they executed it.
1: And it was it was a, a plan which was relevant to children their age. You know, it wasn't like an adult plan. And it was really it really, like you said, really well executed. And I think it, I rem-
0: it took Probably ten or fifteen drafts of that whole sequence to work everything out myself.
1: Yeah,
0: and you know, it the original draft of what they did wasn't nearly like what actually ended up happening at the end. Yeah, I had to put in little details, extra little pieces, and and figure out how these things are going to work. And you know, yeah, they did get lucky that it worked, but. Yeah. Uh, They put a lot of thought into it, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the thing I like, and I think I remember I mentioned this before, is there's a bit of an, uh, if I say, like an innocent time. Like, they don't have cell phones. Like, I remember, like, there's no internet. And it's just. Yeah,
0: that's the the beauty of the nostalgic element of this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're there were cell phones back then back then but they were so expensive that hardly anybody had them yeah and there was i mean this takes place in 1988 yeah so i mean the internet existed but not like it yeah. would be in like four or five more years yeah and and then it just started growing I, mean, I i don't think the worldwide web web was around in 1988 you had it was mostly like um bulletin boards
1: yeah yeah
0: what the internet was like and you know not everybody had personal computers because you know they were like forty five hundred dollars yes for 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 something and and you had to really you know you either had to have a lot more money than you needed or you had to have a real reason to need one
1: yeah
0: you know to go out and buy one back then and you know so this is a time that you're about maybe five to ten years before everything started getting very modernized and, and very, everything but yeah but at the time everybody thought everything was great you know this is you know we're the pinnacle of, uh, of technological development for the human race yeah you know? yeah I mean, we had cars we had telephones we had TV I mean
1: yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if people now know what dial up. <laughs> I remember
0: dial up <laughs> right, getting on. Well, you accounts. know, it's funny. You know, I, I, you know, you know that I, uh, I learned Chinese when I was in the military. Yeah. Um, how you say, uh, dialing a telephone in Chinese. Yeah. Is Da Dianhua, which okay. literally means to hit the telephone. Yeah. Okay. Like you would be poking the buttons. Yeah. But that, um, but they meant that even when you were dialing it with the, with a rotary dial, okay. so it's okay. kind of it's kind of interesting that uh, yeah. that that would be the verb that they they chose to do that to hit the phone. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you want to hit the phone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, do you find like I find with writing, it's like this one huge puzzle, and it's like you figure out the storylines. And then it's almost like you got to deconstruct it all in the writing, you know, and then at the end of the book, you have to put it all together. So do, yeah. do you look at writing like that or? Uh...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Puzzle, puzzles are a metaphor that I use in a lot of my books. Um, yeah. Fried Windows, for example, there's a um, a room where one of the characters is assembling a puzzle yeah. that represents her entire life. Oh, wow. And Brent. Brett's character in the fantasy world, he goes by the name Carlos. Yeah. Everybody calls him Carlos there. And uh, he is particularly good at finding the pieces that she needs to put into her puzzle. So she waits for him to help her out with the hard spots. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Writing's largely assembling a puzzle before the eyes of the reader. Yeah. And the challenge is challenge when you're writing it is that uh you know you're also finding the pieces. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. it. And and you're making them fit. And you can't force the pieces to fit together because the reader will pick up on that immediately and it'll ruin the puzzle for them.
1: Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. You're also finding the puzzles, puzzle pieces, yeah. Yeah. And then also I find um what I like the with this with this last book, okay, you have, now, I didn't know this, okay, so the educational references you have, okay, so you reference the, now, I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I'm going to give it my best shot. The cask of Amontillado, Amontillado, I hope yeah, well, I
0: okay. yeah, We can go, we can go with that.
1: Okay, <laughs> how would you say it?
0: Amontillado.
1: Amontillado. Okay, The Cask of Amontillado. And that's a, a story by Edgar Allan Poe. And I had no clue Alvin, okay? So, I was wondering what made you decide that you wanted to have that reference in in this in this book.
0: Well, Edgar Allan Poe is one of my one of my favorite uh authors from from my childhood and his stories were like really creepy. And I was into that when I was a kid. I really liked horror stories and the creepier the better. (laughs) And his stories are like traumatic experiences. You know, when you first read them and uh, you know, I I'm not sure whether horror scars you as much as it scares you, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, you discover how, there are evil things in the world and people can do some extremely nasty things to one another. Yeah. And Will and Sandra are naturally inquisitive. Yeah. And throughout the series, they are working on their summer reading list. Good. Good. That's so good. we, we know that they read yeah. and I think Sandra has a little broader scope in her interest than yeah. Will does. Yeah. Um, but They share a lot as well. And in book two, we're introduced to uh, their town's library, their town's library and librarian. And we know that the kids are frequent visitors. That's good.
1: That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. And what I also like, you mentioned earlier about how the book, it may be like, you know, when we have to, you know, think of categories, it may be middle aged reader reader but I as an adult liked the positive messages that came across you know in Will's dialogue he's telling Sandra just continue to be yourself you know and um, he, then like we're going to make it Sandra you know and um, Sandra responds we'll be superstars at whatever we do and Like, those are such good messages for children and adults. And um, so what is it? What is it that you hope your readers, you know, take away from reading this? Besides having a a damn good time reading, you know, what do you you hope they take away from this trilogy?
0: Well, I hope that the readers learn, especially younger readers, is... To never limit your capacity to imagine things
1: yeah
0: and uh you really make your own magic yeah and you create your own opportunities that way yeah. And i mean like we were talking about the book set 1988 before things got really complicated for yeah uh for a kid's life kids back then played outside they went to the park yeah. they played baseball every every day and during the summer they rode their bikes everywhere Yeah, And, you know, they weren't under constant supervision of of a helicopter mom or, you know, and, you know, or they didn't have to have a nanny or you didn't have, you know, I mean, maybe in some of the inner city schools or whatever, but you didn't have, um, you know, security police guarding everything. Yeah. And, you know, we've lost a lot with, with that. I mean, our, our, you know, when I was a kid back in the 60s,
1: yeah.
0: you know, we lived way out in the country, and we never even locked our doors.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: You know, the only time we locked our doors is when we were going away somewhere, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, is there any one character that you relate to the most, or is there a little bit of you in a number of the characters, or...?
0: Well, there's always, you know, authors are always in, you know, their characters, and their characters are in them. So there's kind of a, a a relationship with your characters. They become friends to friends of yours and everything. And you know, there's little pieces of yourself that end up in them. But you know, I guess I'm mostly Brent Woods. Okay. You know, he's kind of my alter ego. Yeah. Um, he does things that I would never have the nerve to do. But. Yeah. Uh, we share a lot of experiences, and he's from a version of my hometown. Okay.
1: <clears throat> okay. Cool. Okay. So I've got to ask, how does it feel for you having completed this trilogy? Um, that's gotta. That's gotta feel. So, such a, a feeling of accomplishment. I mean, yeah. How 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 does it feel?
0: Well, when you first publish a book, yeah. um, that's that's an accomplishment because not everybody does that. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who think that they've done that, or or they're trying to do that, or they're working on. A lot of people tell you they're writing a book, yeah. but you never see it. Yeah. You know, you never you never hear about it. You never get a chance to read it. So that's the first thing you know: yeah. finish your first book, and then you have to finish your second book. Yeah. And then you've got to finish your third book. So I think somewhere between finishing your second book and finishing your third book, that you actually begin to feel like, you know, I might actually be an author. Yeah. You know, regardless. I mean, technically you're an author once you're published. Yeah. But um, so you graduate from being a writer to being an author after writing a book. Yeah. But I think most I think most writers are, they're very self-conscious and introspective oh, God. and, yes. and um, you know, we all feel like we're hacks to a yeah. certain extent because we know, yeah. we know everything that goes into the sausage yeah, and, yes. and, <laughs> and we know that, you know, if I didn't have a few lucky breaks, I wouldn't have finished that first book, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just the truth. And I've spoken, you know, uh, Christine, Gabriel, and I do a show, and you've been on it. Yeah. Um, We talk to a lot of authors, and we share a lot of things. And I think all authors have that, you know, moment where they have to to work through it, where they question whether they're good enough to be a writer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, and, okay, so I'm just thinking the first one. That was yeah, I, I, I wanted to publish not that I. it's not that I don't want to publish. okay, so the first one for me was published. and I remember the second one. it's like uh, I like you. I love writing. I love creating stories. And I think the second one was, okay, yeah, you can do this. You can do this again. Let's see. It's almost at times, I think I I almost like challenged myself to the extent like saying, okay, let's do this again. Let's see if you can do this again, you know? And then, like you said, the third one, I'm starting the third one. And it's, it's like, yeah, okay. I'm in, I'm in this for the long game. This is, this is me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you may start off, you may start off uh, treating it as a hobby. Yeah. And at some point it has to become something that you do with a schedule and a time almost like work for you. Yeah. I mean, you may enjoy it a lot more than work, but yeah, it there has to be a routine to it. Yeah. Um, and by the time you're finished with the first book and and it's published and you know you went through all the editing and all the revisions and everything, you have a really good idea of what it takes to write a book. Yeah. So the second book you have a plan going on. You know, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it may get a little smoother. And then by the third book, you're questioning, well, do I need to do all those ritualistic things, you know, in this one? You know, yeah. can I get away with doing this? Can I cut this corner? Can I do yeah. So there's, I mean, there's some back and forth that goes on with it. And, it, you know, I'm told that, you know, when you get out to your fifth book, yeah, your fifth published book, Um, readers tend to give a lot more credibility to you if you have about five books under your belt.
1: Yeah, 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 no, I, I believe it, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, okay, so then the other thing I'm finding is it's weird how sometimes, it's almost like freaky weird how life sometimes will imitate art. And whether you call it, Coincidence or serendipity. It's those moments when you just sit back and you think, no way. Okay. So, for example, for me, it was naming a nurse. I didn't know she would be a street nurse, but I, I knew I was going to have a nurse named Coco. Okay. And then finding out through my daughter that there really is, um, we have um, like a, a Uh, an area in Vancouver where it's it's the downtown east side and there's street there my daughter said mom there is a street nurse named Coco who works on the downtown east side and it just it I, 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 I literally I went no way so you know you can't plan this stuff okay it's just it happens so i'm just wondering have you had any sort of like encountered any sort of a similar experience where life starts to imitate your books your art and you're just like no way
0: when um when i was back in college i I was teaching myself how to write yeah yeah so i i took some writing classes and uh one of the courses I had, I hated the instructor. Yeah. I mean, he was, he spent most of the time, most of our class time telling us that we don't want to be writers. Oh my God. Because, because you're going to get rejected. You know, your stuff's never going to be good enough to be published.
1: Jeez. I mean,
0: I mean, the guy was a miserable asshole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it.
0: <laughs> but, but having said that, I did learn some things from him. He had the, the class was set up more like more like a workshop, you know, okay. where we critiqued each other's writing. Yeah. And one of the things that he did is he he taught me to how to develop characters, how to write write a character profile. Yeah. Um and do that before you actually write the story because yeah. you need to know your character's motivations and everything. It's kind of like being a method actor, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Um you have to know their motivations and everything. So I did that. I wrote a, a character profile and I was heavily into doing science fiction back then. Yeah. And um, so, and he hated science fiction. So we were like <laughs> oil and water that way. But, um, so I wrote a character profile with a character that was part cat, part wolf and part human. Yeah. And that was the result of a gene splicing experiment.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And gene splicing was like something that they were thinking about maybe being possible back in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so
0: you know, I mean, that was that was the kind of stuff that I was writing.
1: Yeah.
0: And years later, we were packing up all of our stuff to move to a different house. I mean, yeah. you've recently been through that experience. Yeah. And you you go through a lot of your stuff and you're going to throw away a bunch of crap that you've been hauling around with you for yeah. a yeah. You don't want to keep moving. it. Yeah. And I had a box of things that I've been hauling around with me since college. Yeah. And I opened up, um, you know, that box and I started digging through it and I found um, my notebook yeah. from that class. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> that writing class. So, I mean, first of all, you should never read stuff that you wrote like 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because it's going to scare the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And usually it scares you because it's so terrible. Yeah. And you go, how did I ever think that I was a good writer back then? Mm. But um, I pulled out this character profile that I wrote about the, about the wolf.
1: Yeah. Cat, human. Yeah.
0: And although I didn't call it a wolf cat back then, yeah. it's yeah. a wolf cat. Yeah. So that's where the idea came from. Yeah. And that character profile had a date of January 13th,
1: 1978. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. And the other thing about it is that in 2000, I was in a... um kind of like an online community where we did role playing yeah. and uh, we were all members of a wolf pack. Okay. And this is kind of where the foundational idea came from for the Wolfcat Chronicles. And I began to write later that year. Yeah. And there was a, a person in that group who referred to herself as Alana the Wolfcat. Okay. So you know, in course of talking online with these people, she found out that I was a writer, and she said, "Oh, I want you to write me a story." Yeah. That's where the Wolfcat Chronicles came from. And now, fast forward a few years, we became really good friends. Yeah. And in fact, I'm still in touch with her. She lives in California. Yeah. Um, she, you know, I you know, ask her what her birthday is because I was, I was going to send her something for her birthday. And she yeah. told me it was January 13th, 1978. No. <laughs> so when I'm looking at this box of stuff that we're getting ready to move and I find that thing and I see the date on it. Yeah. And then it's actually a description of the character that she was portraying in this online you know, yeah. fantasy group that we were, you know, doing role-playing in. Yeah. I got the goose flesh and everything, and I said, holy shit, all this stuff was intended to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and y- you do, and you're just like, no way, right? Yeah, oh, cool. I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> That's a cool story, Elgin. So I am wondering, what's next? Because you've, you have this trilogy, and you've spent – like years devoting yourself to these characters. So I'm wondering what's next, Algood? Like tell me, you've got to have another story planned.
0: Well, there's another book coming out in, in uh, probably like February, March time frame, maybe a little later. Um, it's in edits right now. It's called Ninja Brick Castles. It's the sequel to fried windows. Oh, cool. So, and, uh, that's, um, Will and Sander make appearances in that in that book as adults? You know, I, I mentioned that before. Um, they're not main characters in it, but uh, that's kind of saved for the third book in that series. Okay. And I'm working on that too. That one's more of a more of a police procedural mystery type thing. Okay. And uh, and there's a book called uh, Dammerwald, which is the first book of the Wolfcat Chronicles yeah and that should be out next year uh that's also in edits right now it's not as far as long as uh ninja Red castles but it's close it may be out next summer i think or maybe around my birthday that would be, okay. a, that'd be a good thing okay and um you know i've got a lot of other a lot of other projects going on there's a book that's uh way in the future beyond you know the future that uh that Brent represents in the uh in the superman trilogy you know the older brit yeah um that one's called the attributes and it's a it's kind of the capstone of everything else i wrote um and uh i wrote that several years ago as um it was actually to i started out to write a story to um apologize for missing somebody's birthday (laughs) Okay. <laughs> and and it just grew from that okay. but uh it's uh i mean one of my friends is a um uh, she's a she's italian she's from um uh, uh, she's on a, a rock band that tours in europe they're not very well known over here but uh, i mean some people know yeah but um she was uh uh she was born on the day that i started writing a book i mean basically oh. i mean not I mean, that was her birthday. I started writing her, that book on her birthday. Yeah. And uh, it became two books. But uh, it has some, uh, it has references to Brent. although well, he's not a character in it. And um, one of Brent's friends that appears in in the Ninja Brick Castles book.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you said you have a new one coming out in March.
0: Yeah, yeah, March. That's uh, Ninja Break Castles.
1: Well, we should have another discussion then. You know, I'm just starting to look at.
0: Yeah, start doing the notes. Yeah. 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 We got, yeah, we got some other, uh, we got some other authors that you need to talk to too. You got, uh, uh, Katie Masters has a book coming out in November. Okay. Hers is a sci fi book. It's, it's a really good story. And you've got, um, Meg Bonnie. You would love Meg Bonnie. She's, uh, um, she's got the second book of her Everly series. And it's okay. called Rosewood Burning. I oh. just finished reading it over the weekend. Yeah. And that comes out in uh, December. Okay. And uh, she's, uh, she's a television buff. She knows, like, she can quote lines on her TV shows. It's really kind of scary. <laughs> but uh, she writes for... Uh, for, a, for an online uh, magazine. I forget the name of it, but uh, she travels around the country and you know, goes to a lot of comic cons and things like that. Okay. She's a real interesting person.
1: Okay, good. Well, Elgin, wrapping this up, is there anything you would like to add? And where can people find you on the socials?
0: Well, i just I'd like to tell people to just keep reading. As long as you keep reading, authors will keep writing. Yeah. And uh, personally, I love to connect with my readers. Yeah. And you can find my books uh, online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other retailers. And uh, you can also order them through bookstores. Yeah. Or you can uh, get them directly from my publisher at www.pandamoonpub.com. Yeah. Sounds like a place that you go to get a pint, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm also on Facebook at uh, Street Team Normal. Okay. And my website is www.elginwilliams all one word dot com. Okay. And my Twitter handle is at Elgin Williams. So it's all real simple.
1: Yeah. All
0: you got to do is remember my weird first name. Okay. Okay. And uh, I'm also on uh, on YouTube. I mentioned earlier with. Uh, yeah. Uh, fellow author Christine Gabriel, who's also my publicist, and I'm her publicist, so that kind of works out good. Yeah. And uh, we interview other creative people there, like yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, that channel is called the Pandaverse Book Club. So find us, find us on uh, YouTube and subscribe and like, you know, all those things that all the YouTubers have to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's. That's great. I mean, you've got a lot of places where people can find you, like you said, on YouTube. I've been interviewed by you and Christine, and it was a really – I had a really enjoyable time.
0: Um, Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So um, I really appreciate you coming back on. And like I said, um, I'm just now going to start putting together my schedule for 2022. So it would be nice to talk with you again in March when your next book comes out and um, I may be doing things a little differently and that I'll have more time, right? So, uh, yeah, the R word, retirement, is happening. Retirement. <laughs> yes. So, anyways. So, Elgin, have a great evening. Thank you. Oh, and-
0: you too. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed talking to you again.
1: Oh, good, good. Okay, Elgin. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.